You're listening to Now I've Heard Everything, presenting interviews with famous, fascinating, influential personalities from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. I love selling cookies. <laughs> I love eating them, making them. I love everything about chocolate chip cookies. There are millions of people that identify me in cookies. I've created a lot of goodwill. That goodwill didn't belong to Famous Amos. It belonged to Wally Amos. Cookie maker Wally, Famous Amos. Today on Now I've Heard Everything, I'm Bill Thompson. What would you do if a big corporation took over the company you founded and then sued you to prevent you from selling the product you invented using your own name. Welcome to Wally Amos's world. The founder of Famous Amos Cookies lost his company. Turns out maybe he was a better cookie maker than he was businessman. But then the company that took over the brand went to court to prevent Wally from using his own name to sell other cookies. But this Florida native with the irrepressible sense of humor and enthusiasm turned the situation around, eventually. He wrote a book about it in 1994 called Man With No Name. So here now, from 1994, Wally Famous Amos. I was involved in a lawsuit with Famous Amos over who owned my name. And as I would explain to people what was happening, they were in shock. Um, They were angry. Uh, They just couldn't understand how someone could take my name. And my whole attitude towards it was very positive. I said, well, it's just a name. <laughs> I mean, people change their names, and, and I'm not attached to that name. I'm not that name. I'm, I'm spirit. I'm a child of God, and you can't confine or define what my spirit is. <clears throat> and so I thought that it would be nice to give people a different perspective on, on their name, on, on dealing with challenging situations. Uh, because the thing is that uh, we should not become emotionally involved in them because it, it warps our perspective. It, 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 it muddies our, our view of, of, of what we're happening. So um, that was it. I wanted to show them that there was another way of looking at the world. I couldn't help think, though, that a lot of readers will get very emotionally involved with <clears throat> your struggle in here. I'm, I'm trying to imagine what it must be like to be told you cannot conduct <clears throat> commerce using your own name. I think it depends on your on your um, on your belief system. I think it depends on on what your perspective of life is. And mine was. I mean, it was it was a bit unsettling for a couple of minutes, but not long, you know. Because well, I had experienced so much before that. I had already lost the company, you know. And I mean, I watched the company slip away from me. That was kind of preparation because during that, see, every time an experience happens to me. Uh, Bill, I, I look at it and I say, well, now, what's the lesson? What, you know, I created this. I don't feel victimized. This is something that I created. Now, what am I supposed to learn from what's going on here? So when I began to lose the company, I said, now, what's the lesson? And the lesson for me was letting go of attachments. And how could I be more attached to something that was named after me? My picture was on it. Everybody called me famous. I mean, you know, so there it was. Well, that was a, a, a gut-wrenching experience, but I, I, I processed that. So when I got to the name, it was no big deal. <laughs> you know, I said, oh, okay, now what's next? Well, I got to get another name. And the reality is that from April 1st, 1992, when I was served with papers, Till August 17th, 1992, I was free to use my name. 
um, no one would do business with me because I was being sued. <laughs> but legally, I could use my name because we had a dispute over an agreement. But no court had ruled that that agreement was valid. <clears throat> so a, uh, August 17th, a judge issued a preliminary injunction saying, Wally, their four names you will not use until this thing is settled by a court, uh, by a trial jury. Uh, the name is Wally Amos, uh, Famous Amos, and Famous in conjunction with Amos. Well, that was good news because in, in, with, the, with the judge telling me what I couldn't do, he also told me what I could do. He said, Wally, there are millions of names you can't use. <laughs> so, but you, you only see that if you're able to detach yourself from the problem, you see? If you, own, if you, if you, you can only see that if you are focused on solutions and answers. And so I then began to seek out another name and ultimately came up with the name, the Uncle No Name Cookie Company. All right, so this, the, the problem is you can't use your name. Well, the solution is find another name. <clears throat> and that's what I did. It had to sting a little bit, though, when, well, it stung a lot, apparently, though, mm -hmm. when it wasn't just that you couldn't use your name, but mm -hmm. it was that they had your name mm -hmm. on an inferior cookie. <clears throat> that, was, that was the trying part for me um, because uh, the cookies that they were selling did not represent the product that I had created. I countersued. And said, because on their package at the time, it said that they were uh, using the recipe of the original um, baker, founder, whatever, Wally Amos. So I countersued and said that that was not the case. So um, I had to live with that. And I still live with that to some extent. It, it's not, you know, I mean, m more and more people are beginning to know. But um, um, it is still a product that is not, that is not a Wally Amos product. The difference is in the taste. The difference is in the taste. And you can't fool your mouth. And as I'm doing interviews now, more and more people, I do a lot of call-in shows, more and more people are calling in, telling me, Wally, you know, I had a call, I was in Philadelphia the other day, I had a call, a person, they were blaming me. They said, well, that guy, you know, he's sold out just like everybody else, he's gone and now he's, you know, he's, he's put less in grease and then downgraded the product to make more money because they're selling cookies everywhere. He's selling two bags of cookies for a dollar. So, uh, I mean, so, you know, people now, that's a reflection on my character and on my integrity. So I must vindicate myself, and I will. <laughs> have, have, you, have you come to decide, have you come to realize that cookies are your life? Oh, no question. Um, when, I, when I first, I, I lost Famous Amos. I want to make it clear that I, I was not victimized. You know, no one took advantage of me. I took advantage of me. I acted stupidly. But when I lost the company in 89, my first reaction was, I don't want anything to do with cookies. Because I had some anger, you know, and I had some frustration and, and that I was working through. A little vengeance that I wanted, you know. <laughs> but um, I worked through that. And finally, by 1991, I said, wait a minute. I love selling cookies. <laughs> I love eating them, making them. I love everything about chocolate chip cookies. But also, there are millions of people that identify me in cookies and chocolate chip cookies. I've created a lot of goodwill. That goodwill didn't belong to Famous Amos. It belonged to Wally Amos. So I want to pull that back to me. And that was when I started Wally Amos Presents uh, Chip and Cookie, uh, around, centered around two chocolate chip cookie character dolls that my wife, Christine, created. And that's what uh, created the lawsuit also. So, um, but that got me back into it. And then when they sued me, Chip and Cookie died. You know, not died, but went to sleep. <laughs> you know, uh, and, and so... 
Um, uh, uh, and then I started the Uncle No Name. How many people you know start a, a company while they're being sued? You know? <laughs> How many people you know write a book while they're being sued? Well, the lawsuit went on for 19 months. And October 25th, 1993, I signed the settlement agreement. Famous Amos approached me and asked to settle. I said, okay, fine, let's settle. <laughs> because it was time to get on with my life also, because my life was definitely on hold. No one would do business with me while I was being sued. Even though I started uh, the cookie company in 92, um, I was not able to expand it because, you know, people were leery and I couldn't get um, um, uh, people to really come into my life. So I said, let's settle. We settled. The settlement is Famous Amos and I have joint custody of the name Wally Amos. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have visitation rights on that one. <laughs> After this short break, the legal victory that came out of all this for Wally Amos. Now back to my 1994 conversation with Wally Famous Amos. Uh, they, Famous Amos does in fact now own the name Wally Amos as a brand name don't look so distressed. <laughs> they own it as a brand name, uh, as a trademark for food only. Okay? They're never going to use it. They're never going to. I mean, how can they use it? What are they going to use it for? I don't need the name Wally Amos. It would be too confusing with Famous Amos anyway. I don't need the name Wally Amos because I've got no name. <laughs> you don't need a name if you got no name. <laughs> you know? No name. An easy name to remember. Okay? So that's one aspect of it. But I own the name for everything else. So I'm going to do Wally Amos T-shirts, Wally Amos caps, Wally Amos pencils, Wally Amos wastebaskets, you know. <laughs> um, I can do it freely. But also, the important aspect of the settlement is that I have rights of publicity, which means that I can use my name and likeness to advertise, promote, create awareness for the Uncle No Name Cookie Company. That's what's important, you know, not the name, but the ability to let people know that it is yours with whatever name you choose. To be free to do interviews and talk about yourself. Absolutely. And to do advertising, you know, not just interviews, but advertising. So I can go on television with a bag of Uncle No Name cookies right up to my little face and say, Hi, <laughs> folks, I'm Wally Amos, and this is the Uncle No Name cookie company. They're mine, they're mine, they're mine. <clears throat> uh, but, uh, and also another important aspect of the settlement was that they had to remove the quote from their packaging that said they still used the original recipe by the founder baker. So I think it was a win-win. They seem to have gotten what they wanted, uh, although I don't think they totally got what they wanted. I think they wanted me out of the cookie business. <laughs> and I'm in it up to my nose, man, I'm telling you. But that means you're a success. They're afraid of you. <clears throat> well, you know, it was a compliment that here was a company that was grossing over $80 million a year, and here was a little guy that was almost a million dollars in debt, <laughs> you know, <laughs> whose house I was 15 months behind in my mortgage. Uh, I ultimately lost my house during the lawsuit. I got it back 30 days later uh, through the help of some friends. But he was a guy who had the sheriff coming to his door. I mean, who was just, you know, struggling to, to make ends meet day to day. And, and they had all of their cadre of lawyers, man. We, when, <laughs> once we went to the preliminary hearing, they had like three or four lawyers, you know. And it was just me and my attorney. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a compliment. That um, um, they thought I had that much power uh, over what uh, they were doing. But you know all this goodwill that you were talking about a moment ago that had been that you had built up. 
you, what, what distinguishes you from so many other people in commerce, in mm. business today, is that that goodwill was built up not as some sort of calculated gesture, like, hmm, what mm. could I do yeah. in a cynical kind of way that, nah. that might make friends? You're <clears throat> genuinely concerned with other oh, yeah. people, with the welfare of individuals as well as collective humankind. Yes. I mean, yes. these things were natural yes. gestures of yours that, they as were. a consequence, built good. This, this yes. wasn't a calculated move on your part. <laughs> it was not. And I, I think that my consistency during the last 19 years um, have proven that. I've got tremendous credibility. I got involved with Literacy Volunteers of America in 1979. April 10th, 1979, at Lincoln Center Library, we held a press conference announcing that I was the national spokesperson. Well, I've traveled throughout the United States, millions of miles, spoken to millions of people about literacy. Um, and I'm still doing it. Uh, I use Famous Amos to support literacy causes. We sponsored workshops and we did all of that. When those other guys took over, they never gave anything back to literacy or to any other part of the community that I know of. Um, on the man with no name, we donate ten, uh, 10 cents from each book to two literacy groups. Five cents goes to Literacy Volunteers of America. Five cents goes to the National Center for Family Literacy, um, of which I'm on the board of directors. That's a, a joint effort between Aslan and myself. Um, so, you know, it, and I've consistently done that, even during bad times. Even with the cookie company, even with the Uncle No Name cookie company, we are donating uh, 1% of our net sales. Now, people say, oh, net sales, yeah. Well, but, you know, we don't have any sales yet, any, 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 <laughs> any net sales. We got sales, but they ain't no net because, you know, it's expensive to start up a business and everything you pull in goes back into building the business. But let me tell you, we believe that we're going to um, um, uh, produce millions and millions of dollars worth of net sales. With the, I know we are because this is being done properly. Well, 1% of that is going to be very, very substantial. It's going to go to cities and schools, a dropout prevention program that's working with young people, you know. And even beyond that, I'm here talking about them on the radio. If I wasn't doing that, cities and schools' message would not be carried forth now. Um, I had a, um, 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 a wonderful story in a, a, a Sunday supplement uh, um, that, that um, <clears throat> a third of the story was about cities and schools. <laughs> you know, the response was so great that they had to hire extra people to respond to it. So, I mean, I know that I have credibility, and I've proven that through the years, and my heart's in the right place. And what you do, you get back. You know... <clears throat> I am, I am so totally convinced that the reason I have been able to land on my feet through all of my trying situations is because I've been a giver. It's just so natural for me to give, and I know that giving is receiving. You know, uh, it is the way of life. What you give comes back not tenfold, I think a thousandfold, a millionfold, and from the most unexpected sources. So I, I, am, I am just so blessed. And how much can you use? I think this whole thing with money, this whole thing about hoarding and, and just wanting to make everything, it's a whole ego builder. And it's a sign of low self-esteem because you're not enough by yourself. But if, but if your company does a billion dollars, then you're a big guy if you're the chairman of that company. You know, then you're the chairman of this billion-dollar company. Um, that doesn't matter to me. It really doesn't. Um, I mean, I understand the value of money. 
Um, but it's to it's just to exchange. <laughs> you know? It's a, a, a means of exchange, you know. Um, but I'm not looking to hoard it and to and to have all of it, because um, I am I am perfectly willing to to share. Uh, whatever I have with others. One quick thing I wanted to ask before I run out of time. In the mm. back of the book, when you list, you know, one by one, the things that you learned. Yes, sir. I didn't see in here keep a sense of humor about you. You know what? <clears throat> it's interesting that you say that because I have been reflecting on those 10 points that I mentioned. And it occurred to me that one of the most important ones that I left out was humor. <laughs> well, I, it was it, fun. It, you could kind of put it, it under the one category here where you said, uh, kept my sense of enthusiasm yeah, alive. Yeah, so it's, yeah. it's kind of, you know, it's when, you've got, there, but when you've got a joyful outlook. And, sure, sure. But, yeah. but, but humor really deserves a category all of its own. And that is um, a, a strong facet of my personality. Because you do have a good sense of humor. Of my character. And that, that has been a, a saving grace for me, that I do have a sense of humor. And I can laugh at myself, that I can see the absurdity of all of this stuff, man. Because, you know, you're going to die and leave it all and life will go on. <laughs> so what's the deal? What's the point? <laughs> True. Yeah. Have fun. Have fun. I play my kazoo and I just, um, you know, just keep going around <laughs> giving away cookies. Wally Amos is 85 now. He lives in Columbia, South Carolina, where he works on his latest creation, Aunt Della's Cookies. And you know, you can find all of our past episodes of Now I've Heard Everything at our website, heardeverything.com. There are hundreds of interviews there, including my 1996 interview with another famous cookie maker, Debbie Fields. Before I started the Mrs. Fields cookie business, I actually weighed about 25 pounds more. I tried every diet under the sun. Every diet book basically said, give up dessert, give up chocolate. Now, I can't give up chocolate. And my 1997 conversation with another well-known entrepreneur, Sir Richard Branson. We take on the airline industry, it is virgin territory for us. If we take on the record industry, it's virgin territory. If we take on the banks, it's virgin <laughs> territory. So we were very, very, very fortunate coming up with that particular name. And of course, we post new episodes here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And you can find Now I've Heard Everything on all major podcast platforms. And thanks for listening. Next time on Now I've Heard Everything, it's Christmas Eve. So we'll present a story of a man who wrote a 1987 bestseller called the Cat Who Came for Christmas, a 1987 conversation with author and animal rights activist Cleveland Amory. Now you call my cat, he'll come full speed, then he'll put on the brakes, and he'll slide to a stop, and he realizes that he has to turn his union card as a cat if he comes any farther. That's next time on Now I've Heard Everything. I'm Bill Thompson. Bill Thompson.